0: To the microsoft 365 developer podcast with your hosts jeremy thake and paul schaefer each week you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech lessons learned and opinions in this space hi paul how's your week been my week has been fits and starts Power BI land still. Ah. Import data, oh crap, it doesn't work. Direct query, that works even worse. Ran out of memory, reboot.
1: <laughs> yeah, Power BI has but, a has a habit of sucking the entire life out of your computer, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, when it works, it's great, but uh, uh, my struggle is converting things that I know should work in T-SQL into the crazy M slash DAX bit. But we're yeah. getting there, so um, yeah. How about you? Yeah, good. I think I saw a tweet that you were at the convention center this weekend. I
1: was. Yeah, we went to the SharePoint Fest, um, which Dave Willem runs through those, Chicago, DC and Seattle. And um, it's interesting because every year it seems to get more away from SharePoint and more into Microsoft 365 content. And there was a lot of Flow content and Power Apps content there and Teams content and um, Yammer content even. And so it was good. They had Dan Holm do one of the keynotes and... Caruana, who's in the Teams team, do another one from Microsoft. So um, they always pull the good people, but like obviously strategically having that event in Seattle. So um, there was a lot of Microsoft speakers and um, I was lucky enough to get picked to present and did one on Graph, but I did something a bit different actually. Um, We always know at this conference that there's a group of developers that are still kind of using the old on-premises world. And want to know about the new cloud, board, but aren't quite there yet. And so, I kind of tailored my presentation for that and uh, did six demos to impress your boss about Microsoft Graph. And it went across really well. Um, it was it was actually really fun, like building a whole new deck from scratch. And um, I actually used it in an executive briefing to an extremely large customer um, exec board, and they loved it. And so I think we're going to have to do it in a community call and it probably will do the rounds at a variety of different conferences now. I was worried it was super high level, but they loved it. They were just like, this is exactly what we need to go talk to our managers and CIOs and CTOs to explain what the graph is. Because they keep hearing about it when Sacha and Rajesh talk about it on stage at big keynotes and they come back and we don't know what it is.
0: Yeah, they. Uh, I, I would agree that that show has has gotten heavier. I think in in the end user, power user, information worker space, and less on the hardcore dev. So I can certainly see why that kind of presentation would resonate because that's the type of audience that they're that they have there, and so that's great. And I look forward to seeing some of those demos. That would be that'd be interesting.
1: Yeah, and and then just to, uh, as another set of events that are going on, um, the. Microsoft 365 a developer bootcamp that um you've done those right do you want to explain a little bit about what they are and
0: yeah so the um the, there is a bunch of we've talked a bit before how there's a, a GitHub repo of training content that's out there and it's got everything Team, SharePoint Graph all kinds of stuff and and the the group that Mike Gamerland works in and he mentioned this in in our interview before is they they try to you know help help get people up to speed so if you're an organizer, they'd like you to go through the, all these topics and pick one or two topics to deep dive and spend a day or or two half days if you have two topics and go through and and do the presentation and proctor hands on labs for developers to get their, you know, hands on, learn how this stuff works and, and be successful. So, um, yeah, I did one down in Austin, Texas last year. Uh, I spoke at that doing obviously team stuff, but, uh, it's a great opportunity to, uh, to, you know, if you can get away from the office and go sit in a room somewhere without distractions, you can get some stuff done through over the either half a day or full day, get working code. It's really pretty neat.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Then I guess as well as Microsoft running those, we do run these community calls and obviously the graph one is the second Tuesday of every month. Uh, there's one coming up on September 3rd for us, but, um, sister teams the adaptive cards team and the office add-ins team had their meetings this month and they do theirs it was august 8th 8th and august 14th um so i don't know how that quite works in terms of when the office Add oh next wednesday the september 11th for office add-ins is the next one um and adaptive cards is september the 12th for their next one but um the office admin one had. I mean, I've never seen that many guests in a community call before. There was like seven different people, um, including Raymond Liu, who's a senior PM who I work with actually, because he actually owns uh, the Excel REST APIs, but he also owns Excel JavaScript APIs too. So he's a busy, busy guy at, work, at Microsoft. But um, they showed off some intern projects as well by a bunch of folks too. So and K R, who I've worked with in the past. Um, We're showing things like Excel and Python in an add-in. So um, if you're doing anything in add-ins or you're interested in it, um, it really is the most unloved thing in the M365 dev platform. And I'm really not sure why, because I use add-ins all the time um, to get my job done in both Outlook and um, especially in Word. And so there's tons of ways you can plug Office add-ins into business applications that your customers or your internal business users use. So definitely check that one out. Cause that looks like if it's got that many presenters, it's a good grab bag of here are some cool new things you could do with it.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, and what I've seen is I I've pitched it a couple of times back when I was a consultant, you know, as a customer and, and it was one of those, well, it's hard to get a, a specific line of business app that has a small audience that incredibly helpful for a small number of people is a, is a tough sell. And and the broader more general product productivity items is probably um you know the the realm of ISVs and yeah. so um i can see why that's a bit in there so and then the, yeah.
1: the sleeper tech which trust me this thing's going to take over everything um is adaptive cards which i know paul you talk about it a lot and you work with a lot but um they got matt hedinger on who is one of the lead guys on this um david close in our org and matt's in a Um, actually underneath a good friend thomas fennel's org and uh they showcase some new templating technology with adaptive cards um, which is super cool and maybe coming to a graph explorer universe near you um post ignite we're not going to be able to creep it in before ignite but um the scenario that adaptive card templating springs just is mind-blowing and um, you should definitely watch that one if you've Play with adaptive cards at all, and kind of like, ah, I didn't quite see what the hell, where this is going. Um, they're, match basically showing everything that they're working on in private in that call. So it's a really, really great example of a community call to go watch.
0: Yes, I love adaptive cards. And this is, I'm going to use this soapbox to say, hey, some of the partners for adaptive cards need to get up to speed. I'm, I'm looking at you, teams. <laughs> at, uh <laughs> The newest version of car adaptive cards aren't <laughs> rendered properly and all the all the various things so um yeah, and those people have heard that feedback as well, so bot framework has gotten up to up to one point two, but the others are lagging behind so um yeah, awesome I love adaptive cards they're they're terrific stuff there um you know that uh um kind of reminds me thinking of rendering stuff i I forgot to share this with you ahead of time, but you probably know the uh um, there's uh, data packs added to the Microsoft uh, d- a developer tenant. Have you seen that? I um, did. Yeah.
1: Michael Aldridge and yeah. Sylvia have been leading yeah. that um, in a sister team of ours. And um, it's really neat. You can, I mean, it just makes life so much easier because you can download the developer tenant as part of the dev program, which actually at SharePoint Fest, a lot of people didn't realize you could do. So don't plan your production tenants with development code. (laughs) Sign up for the dev program, dev.office.com, click on the dev program button, and you'll get a magic Office 365 tenant. And what they've started doing is creating these content packs that will load in to your demo users, sample calendar events, and mail, and all sorts of other things, and um, they're going to be adding a ton more. And what they've done is they're also working with the Graph Explorer PM, Betty, who's in Nairobi, um, to have those samples preloaded in Graph Explorer so that you can add the sample data packs into your tenant and then have like predefined samples in um, inside of the uh, Graph Explorer samples thing so you can actually see it working, which is really, really cool.
0: Yeah. And you know, when I first thought, I was like, oh, it's using licenses. They they should tell you you need licenses available in your tenant when you want to apply this. And and the nice thing about the dev tenant is you get twenty five licenses, and this pack needs sixteen. So you can provision a dev tenant. Boom, automatically add these uh, sample packs. Now now you could bring your own tenant obviously to uh, to do the sample packs if you have licenses. I don't know if you, it, it, you know, if you're paying for a, a staging environment, and you want to have the sample data in there. You could certainly do that, but uh, it certainly is. Nice to get some some data. That's uh, you know again. How do you test the things working? Especially people say, well, it works. You know, with slash me. But how do you know if it works? Uh, applica- app only or or delegated with a different account? You need to have multiple accounts in there. So good stuff. So. A um, busy, busy group over there. Uh, hey, in the Microsoft Graph toolkit, uh, another former guest of ours, uh, Nicola's got some work going here, huh? On that,
1: yeah. And so, uh, a PM in our team, Elise Yang, is now working with Nicola and Michalov and the the guys over in the PAX organization, which do a ton of stuff. They're actually hiring, so if anyone's uh, a developer, um, like a, I guess that level would be like a a, a developer with a two or three years experience, they're actually hiring. And this team does some really cool stuff. They pretty much build all the demos that get shown at Build uh, and Ignite for a bunch of different teams. And they also build a lot of kind of community-based projects around t- particular technology. And so the Microsoft Graph Toolkit is our uh, toolkit for develop- web developers using web components. And so we've, all, we've already, like in preview at Build, we announced a people card and... Um, assigning widget and um, an agenda web component and a tasks web component. And so now, uh, based on lots of feedback, they've released a uh, a people picker component. And so that is powered by the people API. So um, rather than just kind of you typing in Paul and it responding with everyone in your organization that is named Paul, it, it uses the intelligence in the graph to actually say, who have you collaborated with in email or who have you had meetings with or who have you uh, edited a document with? And so Paul Schaefflein would come up as the first Paul in the People Picker. And so you're used to that experience in our first party experiences, whether it's in Outlook when you're in the two line of a new mail or um, planner and you're assigning a task, why not get that in your own experiences? And so we've now shipped that in preview um, as a People Picker. So if you haven't had a look at the toolkit, I'm pretty sure most applications you're building have some kind of people picker scenario in it. Um, go throw that in there, and it doesn't really matter what web stack you're using. You can be standard HTML and JavaScript, or Angular, or React, or Vue. Um, it, you know, it all works, because uh, it's a web component. So that was a really good decision by Nicola, um to push that architecture, and it's worked out really well.
0: Everybody wants a people picker, just like SharePoint has, so we're finally getting there. That's
1: yeah, great. Yeah, that's right um and then i mean we have andrew connell on the show and for those of you that don't know andrew connell um which probably means you're not in the sharepoint universe at all um andrew's worked in the sharepoint space much like paul and i have for a long long time um but there was some news this week that there is a a sharepoint framework v 1.9.1 um which is Moving a library component to general availability, and the tooling move from Webpack three to Webpack four, and they tweak some things in the Teams SDK as well. But um, Paul, have you used this yet? Because I noticed that there's some stuff. I have stuff... not.
0: It's it's in my backlog for September. The boss has already told me, but haven't uh, haven't cracked it open just yet.
1: Yeah. So they said we removed the previously deprecated and never GA'd in brackets Graph HTTP client from the API. Code using it will still work for a short time, but you should migrate your code to the public supported MS Graph client class. So there you go. There's some graphy goodness in there as well.
0: Yeah. I, I have used the MS Graph client. I never used the deprecated one. Uh, so because you're a, uh, cause you're a good player, that
1: Paul, that's why.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I try to do all things graph. Uh, I, I got some fun graph goodies myself. We can talk about next week too.
1: <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So this week we have Andrew Connell. He was there at um, SP Fest, and we were chatting over some drinks around the uh, Azure DevOps show that Cory Roth did with us a few weeks ago. Um, it was episode one hundred yeah. yep. and seventy six. One seven six. Yeah. Yeah. And. He's been doing a ton of work with ASDO, or Azure DevOps, and <clears throat> had su- suggested that we talk a bit deeper on the new stuff that's just coming through, because um, it's going to make life even easier. And so uh, we jumped on the show on the show floor at the expo hall and recording on their equipment, actually, um, or their equipment and ACs, because I forgot my podcasting case. <laughs> Worked out okay, though. Yeah, that's right. It's, whew, <laughs> everything... <laughs> Everything works out in the end, right? And uh, it's a really good yeah. show. So I hope you enjoy it. And uh, we we have Todd Beginski on the show next week talking about Power Apps, PCF, and a few other bits and pieces. So, um, you know, keep watching. And it was hilarious because I know on the show I've mentioned a bunch of times that, you know, AC never actually listens. It turns out he does. So now I have to be careful about what I say about him on this show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, ain't that the truth. All right, buddy. Sounds good. We'll chat next week. See you, mate.
1: Okay, so we're here at SharePoint Fest in Seattle. Um, Jeremy Take here with Andrew Connell. Thank you for spending your lunch time not eating and talking to us about all things Microsoft
2: 365 development. Yeah, man, I want to um, slum it on another podcast for a few minutes here with you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thanks for having me, it's great to be here. It's good to have you on. I,
1: we've had you on the show before, I'm pretty
2: certain. Yes, one time, uh... I I was on a show. Paul interviewed me, and yeah. you were not on the show. You stood me. In. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Paul interviewed me. Yeah, so it was,
1: yeah. I was probably someone way more important. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you were. I, I was.
1: So I was quite shocked that you actually listened to the show. So thank you first for that.
2: There are more comments on your show where you're like, Yo, know, AC, yeah, but I know he doesn't listen. I'm like, I'm in the car like, what the hell, man? I can't text you right now as I'm driving, but I'm, yes, I listen. I'm going to have to change the way I frame that now. I mean, I already do with
1: Juan, because I know Juan, who's in um, the Outlook PM team. Yeah. He listens while he cycles to work, okay. and he's okay. always like, dude, you can't make me laugh. I'm going to crash my bike on the way to work. <laughs> so now
2: I need to think of a, like a Tesla-ish joke or something when you're listening to our show in the Tesla. So it's funny you say that, because on our show, I did one uh, last November. I threw my back out robot yeah and when we did um, in the middle of the show and I was doing with CJ and I sneezed out of the blue and it was like an explosion up my back and I was so much pain I did it again he was dying laughing apparently two or three people like said the same thing like they were driving they almost wrecked their car because they were laughing so hard hearing how much pain I was in and all the stuff they were going through so it was good We, good.
1: we, we do our intros on Friday mornings which can be a bit rough and scratchy sometimes on my voice but um, it's the only time I can do it before I get into work which with the them. studio and stuff. But um, you listened to the show that we did with Cory Roth recently, which was great to have him back on. Yep. And he was talking a lot about Azure DevOps and how he's written a bunch of blog posts and open sourced in GitHub some of the ways that you can kind of do continuous integration and continuous deployment uh, specifically around the SharePoint framework. Yeah. Um, and since that show's come out, things have changed a little bit in terms of what the direction of Azure DevOps is going in. Uh, which I did see; they've seemed to have settled on AZDO on Twitter. Asdo seems to be the way really? people are talking about it. Because Azure DevOps is a mouthful and not as easy as VSTS was and TFS before that. So Asdo is seems to be where it's going. Of course,
2: there's Microsoft renaming stuff yet again. Give
1: me another year, we'll rename something else to something else. A year? Seriously? You're giving me 50 things in that time. <laughs> so um, the way that Corey was showing it was using the current uh, ASDO pipelines, mm-hmm. uh, but there's this new thing called YAML. Yep. Um, so can you just explain a little bit about what the ASDO YAML pipelines are? That, and why you think, as a non-Microsofty person, they're going down this route, and, and what you feel is beneficial it?
2: Yeah, so I guess I think I don't think they called it pipelines before. I think what they're now referring it to, what they were, are now refer- referring to, what is currently in GA. So what we're yeah. going to talk about here is actually in preview, um, but it's a really stable preview that I, I don't feel bad at all going with it they call that like uh, classic releases, okay. or classic builds and releases. And what they, what they originally let you do, and this is what Corey was talking about, and this is what like, in the context of the SharePoint framework, this is how the docs are written, this is how the generator that um, the PMP team puts out there, this is how they do all their stuff. And the, the way the classic way works is that when you're doing um, Azure DevOps for continuous integration and continuous deployment, you have two things, you have a build and you have a release, two different stages. Yeah. And the build stage, you can define with YAML. And then with the release stage, you can't define it with YAML. So there are, you have to do that mostly through the GUI. There's a way you can export and import a JSON file, but it's kind of messy. So you have like two very different ways of doing stuff and you're also mostly limited to just two stages in a way, okay? So what, what Microsoft has done, and they announced this, uh, I, don't, I think they announced it back at Build earlier this year in 2019. Um, but at least it's been, there's a lot more work that's happened with it since. What they've done is they're moving away from the old model which was kind of, you know, you were stuck to just, you've got a build phase, and you can do a lot of different things in the build phase. Each, each phase can have jobs in it. And then in the release phase, it lets you have multiple stages, and a stage can contain multiple jobs inside of it. So maybe a stage is dev- uh, deployed to development, deployed to staging, deployed to production. Those are three oh, different stages. One thing. Yeah, okay. and you could do that before. But what they've done is they've kind of, they've, they've done t- two or three really important things I think that are gonna make it a lot easier. First of all, the new name for it is YAML Pipelines. Yeah. And so they no longer do this build and release. And so uh, for people who are listening to this, they wanna go play with it, when you go into um, Azure DevOps, and you, you click on Pipelines for a project, if you, you have to turn this feature on, and the way you do it is by clicking your little profile picture in the top right, and there's a toggle that says I wanna use Pipelines. And when you do oh. that, the build and release Uh, elements on the navigation go away and it's replaced with just a pipelines right so that's one big change so that that was one change they added now the reason they call it YAML pipelines is because they standardized on doing everything in YAML and so what you can now do instead of having to open up a browser and actually go configure it yeah um, I'm actually going to show this in a session uh, after we do this recording but if you have a SharePoint framework project I can give you four files could just give you one but I'm gonna give you four files because things are templatized you can drop them into your project just copy them in make no changes to them and then go into Azure uh, DevOps and and into the project where you actually are using it in Azure DevOps and you create what's called a variable group and set three variables the username and the password of the office 365 user that's going to be used to deploy this to 365 and the name of the SharePoint package that's going to get created Okay. And then when you do a push to master, everything just works. You don't have to do anything So it triggers computer. the pipeline
1: based on what's configured in the repo files.
2: Right. So what the pipeline does, what what Azure DevOps does is it's going to see a file on the root of the project called azure-pipelines.yml, YAML. Yep. And what that does now is inside that it, it follows the same model what we did before where you got the concept of stages and jobs. Yeah. But what Microsoft has done is they have they've they've effectively they've, they've had um, they let you now have as many number stages as you pos- as you can have there was no real limit before but they didn't really force you down a build and a release section yeah so like what I've done in mine is I have two I'm putting them in air quotes build stages yeah. one builds the entire package and then one uh, does all the testing right so I do those two things simultaneously Yep. And then you have another kind of a, uh, of, a of a stage that you create, and you these stages you give them a special. They're they're called deployment stages, and the only thing that's special about that is that what you can do is you can go back to uh, any one of the pipeline runs that have happened and find the deployment stage, and you could like click it and say, "Hey, redeploy this one." So if you if you rolled out a bad version two, you could say, oh, "Go back to version one." And You find the version one release and say, "Deploy that." Right. Yeah. And so, where does it store all the releases that it builds? Is that so it keeps um, what what uh, when you do a deployment. Every time a pipeline runs, you have like an instance. So, like in the SharePoint terms, you know, think like a workflow, right? Yeah. And so with that workflow, there was a bunch of assets, maybe not files, but there were like a lot of settings and stuff that were set when you when it ran. And so you yeah. can always go back and see what happened with that for that particular
1: different. build number. Right. And,
2: okay. And so same thing with this. And so what happens is is that when the pipeline runs, it keeps a certain number. Uh, An history around yeah and inside the pipeline when you 're doing stuff if you want to keep any assets that you 've created so like in my case I want to keep the SharePoint package the SPPkg that you need right. to deploy I want to keep the um, the results of the tests of the unit tests that have run okay. and I also want to keep um, the code coverage report as well so I take all of those in the pipeline I publish those, those they 're called published artifacts. Yeah. And what that does, it does two things. One, it saves them with the run of the pipeline, the instance, yeah. and it makes them available for either for download, but more importantly, it makes them available in other stages. So like- so my, you could read in and grab yeah.
1: them and use them again. Yeah,
2: and, so the, and there's, a, there's a whole bunch of stuff that this kind of opens the door to too, it's really cool. They, for the SharePoint package, it, that now I'm going to generate that in my uh, build phase, my build stage, yeah. and in my deployment stages, now they can just each the very beginning of all those stages, they all say go download that asset. And it just goes and picks up the asset. Just downloads it and so now I can use it.
1: So do you in that scenario because this concept of releases, you can promote this through rings, right to mm-hmm. use a terminology we use in M365. Yep. you know, We have like a, or even in edge insider builds right now. Like, there's a developer ring, a canary ring, there's now a beta ring. They announced yep. this week. There'll be a production ring soon. Where did they
2: announce that stuff? That's uh, cool. I didn't
1: know that. The beta ring was announced on Twitter and a blog post like yesterday, I believe. Ah, that's yeah. Cool. So if you that. if you honestly, I've been using developer and it's been fine. Really. But um, beta is something that I think the way they're framing is is uh, go find your grandma's Windows com- machine and put <laughs> this on, <laughs> and she will not complain. <laughs> That's how stable it is, and you won't well, do any to tech support. But I've not had any problems with the, the cool. Dev and Canary. But yeah, so if you were deploying, like, say, I had all my code for agents deployed inside sort of Asdo, you could have that kind of thing where it promotes through those rings
2: yeah. in an easy way. Yeah, you can. In fact, um, so let me let, let me tell you a little bit of like a scenario. In two ways, I'm using Azure DevOps uh, and these YAML pipelines. Um, one of them, I'm doing it for my blog and for um, uh, my podcast uh, right. site. And then I'm also doing it for a SharePoint framework project. So like I said, this is what I'm going to show in my session uh, in about 30 minutes or so. Um, so when you do the release, I have it set up that I have, and you can have as many as you want, but I have it set up to where I have three different environments that I release to every time I do a build. But it, conditionally, I'm going I'm to send to them. So this takes a second to explain. I've gone through and I've created three site collections since I SharePoint Online. I've got a what I would classify as a dev site collection, a yeah. staging site collection, and a production site collection. Okay, mm-hmm. so I all mean, within just, the one tenant. It's all in one tenant, but I mean yep. you could have them be different tenants if you want. It doesn't really matter. Yep. Um, and then I have um, well, in my in my demo, I do it. I, I do it all with uh, the site collection scoped app catalogs, but you can still use tenant. There's nothing special there. Yep. So the way it works is that I have it set that whenever I do a push to any branch in this repo, I always want it to run my build, run my tests, assuming those two things pass, then roll out a uh, deployment to my development environment. But don't do it to prod and don't do it to staging. Mm -hmm. I have another one that says, well, if you do a push to the staging branch, then that's a a way to signify that I want something to go to that specific environment. So it does all that same stuff, it still pushes over to dev, but it also then does staging. Now, then here's the cool one. On the production side, I have the production one set to say that whenever there's a push to master, I also want to push to production, but I have a manual check set up so that it will not push, it'll notify people that I have on a list, and somebody has to go into the pipeline and click a box and say, I approve it, and it will then go through and approve it, and then the release stage actually happens. So the
1: theory there would be they'd go to the staging environment for that build, look, make sure they're happy with it, and then they go back into ASDO and check the box that said okay this can now be pushed to prod." yeah that's yeah. really cool and it's
2: all automated now that's one way to do it another way so going with your rings um, and I know how like things go into rings like on a scheduled basis right. right so you could I'd have to think through exactly how you'd roll this out but I think you would un- you can understand what's possible um, you look at my blog so or our podcast so we use uh, our my, my podcast, uh, our podcast and my blog is a um, static site and so uh, we use a tool called Hugo. And what that does is it just takes in markdown files and a theme and generates a bunch of HTML and spits it out. So one of the things that's nice about it is that when you, when you run it, you're always gonna get a picture of what the site looks like right now. But let's say in the case that you have a podcast episode you wanna release that at 10.30 on a Tuesday morning. Yeah. Well, I don't wanna wait until 10.30 and wait to hit go, right? And push that in. I wanna have everything done ahead of time. Right. And then at 10.30, I want it to roll out. So. Dynamic CMS's and stuff, they do that for you, right? Yeah, they so watch the dates. Yeah, they do all that for you. So I had to mimic something like that. And well, Hugo, uh, the engine has a, we have a date that you can put on, a, on an article and say, this should not be published before this timestamp. So then what I've done is inside of my Azure pipeline, I have it say, uh, always, always do a build and push when we push to master. Yeah. But on Tuesdays at 10.30, 11.30, 12.30 and um, 430 Mm -hmm. I want to run a build a scheduled build like there was no push to the code or anything but run a scheduled build and what happens is is that if 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 content has either expired or been published since the last one it's gonna show up on the site and I have it set to where when a scheduled build runs it only does one kind of a build so like when we build we actually build the two sites one's a preview site that I can see what's coming on the site we can preview it before it actually gets there yeah no one has that URL but when we do the schedule build, I'm like, well, don't do the preview site, because that's already going to be current. So just go through and do the master branch again, so it just builds master and pushes it back out. Okay. All of that right out of the box. So yes, you could implement the ring stuff, both on a schedule basis, but then also have eyes on, I need to check this and make sure it's good. And
1: so you mentioned YAML, and obviously you know, TFS back in the day was XML and XAML type definition files that you could get out of it. Yeah. Is this the same thing you go into the UI, you can build all of those different things and then export it as YAML and tweak in the YAML if you choose, and then push it back in? Sort of. So
2: the way that it works now, um, we're still in preview with this. And so with the releases, I believe with the the release stages, that is still not UI based. Okay. Okay. Um, with the builds in the past, you could do it visually and then export the YAML and save that into your project. Because yeah. when you actually built it visually, it was actually editing the Azure pipelines.yaml Oh, file in that project. repo, okay. Yeah. So it was so just like big, a UI shim on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so they, I, it, it looks, I was just talking to somebody about this before the session, or before we sat down. And I th- I, it looks like they may end up porting it over to where you can have both options—either doing it through the UI or doing it through code. Yeah. Um, I really mm-hmm. like doing it through code because it's—you can—you can do a lot more changes. Plus, you can version everything that's going on. Yep. I mean, it 's you can even version your entire release structure because it's all in files. I, I have a, a re, uh, branch in my repo that I, I play with called um, just pipeline refactoring. Yeah, and when it, it doesn't moves, impact the, your current pipeline, you can just experiment. Yeah, it's very an really cool, and it keeps pushing those changes out to dev, but it never does the staging and prod because they're on a different. They're not on the branch or, or on the master or the staging branch. Yeah, and when I'm ready, smart. merge them over, and then t- it all works. Okay, it's really cool.
1: And so you're, you're saying that although this is in preview or beta, that Beater, depending where you are in the world, <laughs> that uh, this is stable enough that you should be taking a look at this now. That if you've got more complex things than what you can do right now with
2: builds and releases in the current GA yeah. stuff, I think the core engine of it uh, works really well. I have not seen anything that does not that does not work with it. Um, there's, I, I haven't seen. I, have, I mean, I know there's some bugs that I've seen that have shown up in the issue list and stuff that people have complained yeah. about with some specific tasks. Um, because a, like a, you have a stage. You have a, you have a pipeline. The pipeline has multiple stages. The stages have multiple jobs inside of them, and a job has multiple steps. Each step is a task, right? Right. Uh, and steps can be things like copy files to an Azure Blob, or yeah. deploy to an Azure website, or run this Bash shell, Bash script, okay. um, stuff like that, or run a PowerShell or something like that. Um, to me, I mean, everything looks incredibly stable. There's a couple little weird things that you see with like other tasks that are that are in beta. Yeah. Um, but almost all of them, you got to work around for almost all of them. So it, it's it's. Uh, it, I think it's pretty darn stable. And and
1: how are they licensing this? How as a developer, like, what are some of the options there? Like, if
2: if you're an enterprise and you need to get this thing run out. Yeah. So, the way they have it set up, uh, first of all, it's like. Uh, it's very much like a first hits free thing, it's, they, have a very, they have a very respectable uh, free tier that you can play with. Yeah. So the way it works, the way, the way that the pricing really boils down is it comes down to the number of agents. That's how they charge. And so what happens when one of your stages runs or one of your jobs run? So like I, in my case, I'm talking about with SharePoint framework, I have a total of five jobs that run. There's a build job inside of a build stage, yep. there's a test job inside of a test stage. And then there's three deployment jobs for each one of the deployment stages environments. environments. Yeah. Yep. So what happens is when each one of those things spins up and runs, an agent gets spun up, which is like a VM or a container, an agent gets spun up, and then the job runs on that guy and then the agent gets thrown away, and then a new one gets spun up for the next job. Oh, okay. okay, so that's how it works under the covers. The charge you based on the agents. Now out of the box, if you are on um, out of the box for a private repo, and the public repos have a little more are a little more uh, uh, forgiving, mm-hmm. but on the on the out of the box on a private repo, it you get I think it's 1,800 minutes on one agent, one Microsoft hosted agent, which can be like a Windows VM or a Mac OS VM or a Ubuntu Linux VM. Yeah, you get 15, 1,500 or 1,800 minutes a month. And then it recycles okay? okay so if you run out you can buy another agent yeah. right and I can't remember how much that is on top of my head I think it's like 40 bucks a month right another option that you can do though with this is you can create your own agent your own pool of agents I'll oh, just pay for those mm-hmm. like you normally do a VM yes so you and when you do it you actually spin up a VM right over in Azure yeah You incur all the costs associated with that. You can also do it as a container if you want that, and you have to provide somewhere for the container to run, so maybe another VM. But you, you provide, so you pay for that like you would anything else with Azure. And then for Azure Pipelines to work, what they have you do is you then go into that VM, you download an agent and you install the agent and then go configure it to basically tie right. it with your Azure so DevOps account. So it's the account. way it
1: communicates to that DevOps account. Right, and it's how DevOps talks so to you. So it's a little bit budget. how like Team Foundation Server used to work many moons yeah. ago with all the different agents that you could run on whatever VM you wanted
2: to. And, and it works, that works the same way. So aside from the cost of running the agent itself, or the VM, the host,
1: yeah.
2: um, aside from the cost of that, which you can also do it on-prem if you want. Like if you have your own agents, you can do that. You don't have to pay for anything. Um, Azure DevOps charges you, you get one, these are called self-hosted, you get one self-hosted one for free. If you're a Visual Studio Enterprise subscriber, you get another agent for free. Yeah. Then you get, And then each agent after that is $15 a month. Okay. Now, so it's not expensive. No, no, no. Um, you can get away with pretty cheap. So, I mean, you can do your own hosted agent, and if you've got an MSDN subscription, you basically get two, two agents there. Now, what's cool about having two agents instead of just the one Microsoft hosted agent, is that when you have two, that allows you to do parallel jobs.
1: Yeah, right, so, so you can th- speed up the time in your early cycle. Right.
2: So like my SharePoint framework builds, when I do you know, deploy to three environments into a build and a test, yeah. the build has to run, the test has to run, and then each one of those other things has to run, and I have it set up with are some dependencies. So like, I don't care if build runs first or test runs first, but they both have to run before in any the, deployment. The deployment. Yeah, and then the deployments, I don't care which one goes first, they just yeah. all have to run. So there's these nice little dependencies between them. But what would be nice is to say, hey, build and test. You guys can run in parallel. You don't have to wait for each other to finish. And right now it doesn't. So it also, that's just on that one pipeline. If I push another uh, uh, check-in to another branch, that's going to spin up another pipeline. So it's not going to wait or? It is going to wait. It's going to wait for another one. Because Uh, you're using the agents, the same agent. I've only got one worker. You think of an agent as a worker. He can only do so much stuff, or she can only do so much stuff. You can't scale those people out. The more workers you get, the more work can be done. It doesn't matter if they're on one project or 10 projects. Interesting. But it's, I think it's really affordable. I mean, 15 bucks a pop, I mean, right out of the box, yeah. you can do this and play with it. And you can play with it to your heart's content and you get 1800 minutes. And I mean, like I said, I did a SharePoint framework build uh, and deployment to three different environments. And my bills are taking about seven to eight minutes right now. So. 1,800 minutes goes a long way.
1: Uh, it'd be interesting to speak to Daryl, who's um, obviously my peer in our team, who They're looks remote. after all the SDKs. Yep. Because in the last six months, Michael Mainer on our team has been working on all that uh, with Azure DevOps. Yep. And um, we do it every Friday because that's when the new metadata definition drops, mm-hmm. and then we regenerate all of the SDKs for .NET, JavaScript, um, Java, and Objective C as well. Yeah. And so it'd be interesting to see how they've got that set up because there could be some parallelism we could be doing there to oh. have them all land at once, as opposed to kind of. Yeah, serially being run through the one agent. So oh, you totally to could. See.
2: You totally could. I mean, it's a it's a great it's a great way to do it. It's a great option to do it too. So yeah.
1: And so, do you have any blogs on this? I know you've only just switched
2: over to Hugo
1: from <laughs> running on. I forget what your flavor of the was, month blog press was. I was
2: on Orchard Orchard, I was on Orchard for six okay. years, and now I just switched to Hugo, which I love. Yeah, I've been
1: tempted to move off of medium to Hugo, but it would mean me blogging again. But that's just <laughs> not happening between this podcast
2: and my job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, yeah. At the moment, I don't have any posts on it. Uh, I do plan on having a chapter on it in my SharePoint framework course. Yeah, that um, makes sense. I am going to write about it, but there's some optimization stuff that I'm still trying to make it a little bit better. Um, And like, so there's something like, so I will, Uh, like one of the things I want to do with this and I was talking to uh, Vincent Beaver about it, um, Vincent Bray about it, sorry, uh, about this before we started talking here, there's a, there's a task that's out there called, um, it's a cache task. And so like when you do SharePoint framework stuff, we're working with Node and NPM. Yeah. And so we've got to download three hundred megs of dependencies every time we do a the build. The entire internet. Oh come on. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta download a lot of dependencies. And uh, for me, because I'm doing it in two separate agents or two separate uh, stages, test is in one and build is in another one. Oh, I'm having to do it twice. twice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so there's a way now that you can say, cache that folder. And so when it runs when this when the when the task goes is running it checks to see at that place It says okay. have you already do you already have something in cash yeah, the yeah, answer is yeah. no okay well then just keep going yeah. if the answer is yes or if the answer is no then just keep then, then just keep the going flash. and at yeah. the end now cache that folder right okay um otherwise if you do have something then pull it out of cache and restore it before you keep going and there's a they're like some. That's that's like a beta one. and That's one of the ones we're having. Some, that was having some trouble where there's like some permission error with the stuff, and they know it. It's, a, it's an issue they got to fix. But we were talking about it. it's like, that's oh, going to definitely piece? save time if it's pulling from a cache rather than pulling down yeah that, 800 900 meg of files. So a yarn install for my build right now. I just so I said my builds are taking like seven or eight minutes. Yeah, yeah. So I'm doing this piece. I'm doing twice. So imagine how much this is going to be an optimization for that. Right now, when I do a yarn install, it's taking about a minute and a half to a minute and 50 seconds. Wow, just okay. To pull it all down. Just to pull it all down and do the yarn install. When I added the cache to it, the cache is restoring in 52 seconds. Yeah. Okay. Now, the first time it runs, the cache is, is, you know, it's got to do the yarn install. So you're going to take the hit the very first time you do the build. And yeah,
1: then after that, it's super quick.
2: After that, you're fine. And then the only other time it's going to invalidate and get screwed up here is when you have a... Uh, uh, is when the, the the lock file changes. So that's your that's like your key for the cache. Yeah, okay. So if I in my project, if I make a change, next time I do a push, it's going to invalidate the cache and say it's like, going to
1: pull it down again.
2: It's going to go through and do it and repeat all that stuff. So there's there's a weird thing there where it worked fine on builds, but the yeah. testing was failing. And Vincent figured it out that uh, what you need is to just do a, a ch mod uh, recursive ch mod on the node modules folder. To say, make it writable again, because apparently when the cache brings it back in, it makes a pseudo permission. Just go through it. Yeah, yeah. control it just and it just it just when it restores it, it comes back as a uh, and read only. And the testing wants to write into the folder. So so for those uh,
1: of you that don't know who Andrew Connell is
2: (laughs) 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 in this space, Uh, your website address, Twitter handle, my details, social security number, got it. Mm Yep. Okay, so. Uh, you can find me on my blog andrewconnell.com or on Twitter at Andrew Connell um, I have a uh, uh, SharePoint framework training business where I have uh, video based training that's at Voitanos V-O-I-T-A-N-O-S.io, v o i t a n o s dot I o um, and then same thing on Twitter at Voitanos um, I'm 6'2", 205, <laughs> my in <NC laughs> 205,
1: when you breathe in. <laughs>
0: oh, I'm
1: not too <laughs> Well, you're orange theoryed up, so you're doing well. I
2: like to work out.
1: Um, <laughs> I like to run. <laughs> and I just, from a Voitana's perspective, like I've done your course, it's how I learn SPFX. If you are in the SharePoint space and you're still doing... Sandbox solutions or add-ins, and you're looking to do SPFX. The Tunnels course is definitely I appreciate I'd that. Personally, recommend that
2: because it was just so easy to do. I appreciate that. Well, I'm, like, I'm looking forward to having this process like really down on the DevOps piece because I really want to uh, I, I really want to take this and have it. It, and, and it was funny. Done. I was talking to it was Virgil Carroll actually, yeah. and he
1: was talking about blog posts that he gets comments on still from 2009. Yeah. And coincidentally, the other day, one of my blog posts from 2009 from the SP Dev Wiki that we rebranded as nothing but SharePoint.com. Yes, I remember that, yeah. Uh, it was the TFS, ALM, <laughs> and, and <laughs> I didn't even think the video was even still hosted. And it I suppose it's still there. You can still play through this. Here's how to do SharePoint full trust solutions in TFS 2008. Oh, nice. End to end. So it's good to see this evolve and yeah. be obviously a lot more smart. Yeah. Now we're in the cloud. So um, look, I appreciate your time, and you've got to jump to do a session. Mm-hmm. But um, thanks for coming on our show. Yeah. Uh, you didn't promote your show,
2: the cloud show. I didn't do it. Okay. We're the Microsoft Cloud Show at at MS Cloud Show, and yeah, we do weekly episodes on Azure and Office 365. We don't work for Microsoft, so we can say whatever we want, and not that's get in right. trouble. Well, we get in trouble sometimes. I get in
1: trouble, but that's okay.
2: I can live with that. We just destroy uh, InfoPath and uh, Teams a lot. So. Mon-
1: Monday mornings, when my skip manager comes in the office, is usually a good indication of whether I'm in trouble or not, because he <laughs> listens to them over the weekend. <laughs> and um, he's like, "Oh, so you mentioned me on the show again?" I'm like, "Yeah, I
2: can't remember what I said."
1: Yeah, just you know,
2: tone it down a little bit. Okay. <laughs> we, we had that once. Where uh, is it, Aaron Rimmer? Uh, on the OneDrive team. Yeah, that's uh, right. He said, we were, um, we were somewhere and he's, he was talking about people. He was like, yeah, we want everybody to give us your candid feedback. We know a lot of you have, ca- have really candid feedback. So he looked right at me. <laughs> Glared like, at you. Oh, Jesus. Like, I listen to the podcast. I'm like, oh, you've heard me talk about OneDrive. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but you're on OneDrive now and you're happy with yeah, it. Yeah, I am happy with it. I, moved, I switched over to it. I'm off of Google Drive. Look at for that. For the most part. And I'm on OneDrive. And Omar and Jeff would be happy. Yeah. They, it's, it took, a few resets, Yeah. But it really, it's really good right now. I think they've done a. They, it's it's a really good product right now. And I mean, I'm doing it from a Mac and on iOS. I mean, it's not even on the Windows platform. Yes, yeah, I love super it. easy.
1: yeah Awesome. Well, look, thanks very much. Enjoy the rest of the show here, and um, we will definitely get you back on once you polish some of the edges on this and it's GA'd, and we can have a whole like here's a sample project. Go run it in your own environment.
2: That sounds good, man. I appreciate you having me. Thanks a lot. It was fun. Thanks, buddy. Yeah.
0: listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast, please follow us on Twitter at m365devpodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes.